Okay, good morning, everybody. How are we this morning? Good? Lovely to see smiling faces without masks. Amazing. Okay, well, we're going to continue in our series of uh, Faith in Action. We've been looking through the book of James, and uh, we're coming to a particular passage this morning. But just to give you a brief overview of James, James was not an original disciple. He came to faith later after Jesus had gone back up to heaven. Um, But he had a real passion, a real passion to see God's people uh, be as they should be, be Christians as they should be, and, and do the stuff that they should be doing. And this passage that I'm reading this morning, I think is the most important for me anyway, the most important passage in the whole book of James. James is only a small book. It's only uh, five chapters, I think it is. And yeah, it's only five chapters. And, but everything he says is important. And so it's a really, really good book to read. And it's a really um, good uh, place for us to be and to, and to look at. So I'm going to read uh, from James 2, 14 to 26. It's going to come on your screens, hopefully, as well. Uh, and it's called Faith and Deeds. So what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or, or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that, and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was accredited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous but by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Good passage, isn't it? So this passage is probably the most ignored passage in Scripture. And by that, I mean uh, not lived out. I'm sure we've all read this passage many, many times. But do we live it out? Do we fully take on board the commands that James is putting forward in this passage? So let me begin by confronting what seems to be a conflict between what the Apostle Paul says and what James says in this passage. Paul says in Romans, we are justified by faith alone. But James clearly says that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. 
But in fact, there is no conflict whatsoever. As I've said many times before, we must not take passages in isolation, but must look at what comes before and after. Paul and, Paul and James are coming from it in a different angle. They don't contradict, they complement. What Paul is saying is that we come to salvation by grace alone, by faith alone, and through Christ alone, which is absolutely true. But what James expands on that truth by saying, when we have come to faith, we need to use that faith and do something with it. So let me give you an illustration to explain. Let's say that I'm going to take up a new hobby. And that hobby is going to be photography. So I buy a super, super camera and I take it home. It's cost me quite a lot of money. I take it home. I get it out of the case. I look at it. I admire it. I get the instruction book out and I read it and I read it from cover to cover, not once, two or three times. And in that time, I know what each button and each setting does on that camera. I know everything about that camera. But then I decide, I don't know how to take photography. I need to take a photography class so I can take landscape pictures, I can take portraits, I can do other kinds of photography. So I I take courses in photography. I go to different classes. And I also take books out of the library. And in fact, I become an expert on photography. But here comes the rub. What's the point of all that? if I never go out and take a photo. There is no point whatsoever, is there? And that is what James is getting at. Faith without works is pointless. You know, sadly, some Christians are exactly like I've been explaining. They come to faith in Jesus Christ, they read their Bibles diligently, they come to church regularly, but they do nothing with their faith. They believe they have a ticket to heaven and sit back and watch others do the work. What they want is to be fed continually and not give out what they have learnt. You know, it doesn't really matter how much we talk about how much faith we have in Jesus. If our lives do not reflect that faith, then we really need to re-examine ourselves because something is not right with it. James challenges us by asking, what good is faith that just sits and does nothing? Is it real? Is a faith that just sits and observes the real deal or not? We need to understand that nowhere in Scripture is it taught that once we are saved, we can live our lives as we choose. Through Scripture, we must understand that the Christian life involves sacrificial giving of our time and our resources to those who are in need. Yes, the Great Commission is that we share the good news with others so that they too can come into a relationship with Jesus. But the spiritual and the material go hand in hand. Jesus talks about the poor and marginalized in society a lot. And just as Jesus had compassion on these, so must we. Now, right at the beginning of the passage that I read this morning, James gives a little scenario about someone coming to a brother in Christ who has a great material need perhaps through no fault of his own or perhaps through mistakes of one sort or another. And the other brother has the means to help this person, whether by feeding him or clothing him or whatever it may be. Instead, this brother, this Christian says, God will provide for you. Let me pray for you. 
and then goes on his way. James said that this attitude is not a proper Christian response to a brother or sister in dire need. He is saying, what's up with this? You're going to pray for them? That's good. But not give them something to eat, something to clothe their body? That's not right. If we allow brothers and sisters to wander through this life hungry and ill-clothed, then we are no different to pagans. Listen to this poem that I came across that sums up so well what I'm trying to get across to you this morning and what we must guard against as believers. So this is a poem. I was hungry and you formed a humanities club and discussed my hunger. I was imprisoned and you crept off quietly to your chapel in the cellar and prayed for my release. I was sick and you knelt and thanked God for your own health. I was homeless, and you preached to me the spiritual shelter of the love of God. I was lonely, and you left me alone to go and pray for me. You seem so holy, so close to God, but I'm still very hungry, lonely, and cold. That, my friends, is what James calls a dead faith. You know, Every single person in this church, as I look around you all, every single person in this church has a gift that should be used and needs to be used if our churches are to operate to their full potential. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church that there is one body, but it has many parts, but all of its parts make up one body. You know, I remember when my wife and I first joined this church many, 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 many years ago. (laughs) We had been coming here for just a matter of weeks when we were approached and asked to join the welcome team. I remember it so well. Our immediate response was to say, no, we don't know anyone. And the reply was, well, you join the welcome team, it's the best way to get to know people. Do you know, we joined and we stayed on that team for several years. Being asked so early on made us feel welcome and accepted and we have remained ever since in this church taking on various roles. Now I remember on one occasion, occasion, occasion a few years ago We had a lady called Patricia Boosman come to visit us. And she had a prophetic ministry, as you probably all know. And she came to prophesy over all those who were in leadership in the church. And as I remember, I think we were in the hall. And uh, I think also we were in a big circle. And she was amazing. And some of the prophecies she gave were just out of this world. I mean, unbelievable that she was prophesying over people. And then she came to my dear wife. And she looked my wife for three or four seconds in the eye. And she says, I see in you, you have the ability to, as a casserole ministry... And she said, casserole ministry? Casserole ministry? What do I want a casserole ministry? All these other things. 
were marvellous. And she said, I get a casserole ministry. Well, I tell you, I didn't live it down for weeks. She kept going on about this casserole ministry she'd been given. And everybody else had been given these amazing prophecies. And she had this, this, and she was quite indignant about it. But you know, now we laugh. But that prophecy that she had was so true. And I'll tell you why. My wife has the gift of hospitality. And that's what was meant when she was told she had a casserole ministry. She has headed up church lunches for this church. She volunteered in helping with the Grace Trust lunches and ended up heading a team from this church who provided a meal for those less fortunate than ourselves in society. Grace Trust was so impressed with our church team that they put us in charge of the Christmas party where over 100 people were fed. No mean feat. Just over a year ago, she felt led to start a new initiative in this church called Rendezvous. She realized that there are people who were lonely, going through a tough time, or in need of a little TLC. With a small team, we meet once a month and put on a meal in the old vicarage. COVID has restricted our operations at the moment. We are hoping to start again next month. You see, although she was indignant about giving a casserole ministry, she has blessed many, many people over the years. She has used her gift that God has given her. You know, the fact is that we are not all going to be Billy Grahams or Heidi Bakers of this world. But God has blessed everyone, and I mean everyone, with a gift that he wants us to use. Just look at the account in the book of Acts about Stephen. Stephen was asked to wait on tables. Although we can see from the story that he was a man so full of the Holy Spirit that he could probably have changed the world on his own, he might, have, he might have thought waiting on tables was beneath him. However, he was obedient, but he was a man greatly used and blessed by God. And as we know, he was the first recorded martyr in the Bible. And the book of the Acts of the Apostles is so called because they acted on what they were called to do. If those first believers had sat on their hands, then Christianity would have died with Jesus on the cross. But thankfully, each generation has taken up the baton and done their bit to further the kingdom of God. And worldwide Christianity continues to grow. Do you know, using our gifts is important to God. Jesus even told a parable about it, which we know as a parable of the talents. And as we can see, He was not impressed with the person who buried their talent. God has given each person a wide variety of gifts, and he expects us to employ those gifts in his service. It is not acceptable to bury gifts and ignore them. Like the three servants, we do not necessarily have gifts of the same degree. The return God expects of us is in line with the gifts we have been given. The point of this parable is that we are to use whatever we have been given for God's purposes. The severe consequences of the lazy servant tells us that we are to use our gifts, not waste them. The church is a living organism. Get the word right. The church is a living organism made up of people with different talents and skills. 
So what will we do with the talents and skills we have been given? God gives us free will to choose. He loves us so much that he allows us to freely decide our path in life. He desires that we grow our gifts for his glory. But it's up to each one of us to decide. Will we help the needy, clothe the naked, feed the hungry, show mercy, grant forgiveness, love one another, or will we squander our money and blessings, hide or misuse our talents, use our skills for evil instead of good, worship money and financial status above God? God wants us to use our talents to glorify him and further God's kingdom. And as we seek Jesus and work for him with a servant heart, we deepen our relationship, find that our abilities grow, and eventually become entrusted with more blessings to be used for God's glory. It's an increasing cycle of God's amazing will that is ours if we are willing to partner with him. As I said earlier, everyone in this church has a gift that God wants us to use to further his kingdom. There are plenty of roles in this church that are crying out for further people. Are you a teacher good with children? Our children and youth ministers are always looking for people to help. Do you think you could welcome on the door like my wife and I were uh, called to do at the very beginning? The welcome team is shorter members and will love it if you are willing. Maybe you would be prepared to go on the coffee rotor or money counter or money counting. Perhaps you are artistic and good at arranging flowers. Could it be that you are a musician and nobody in the church knows you have this talent? Also, the sound and visual team are always looking for volunteers. Our worship group leader would love to chat with you. Are you a tradesman with skills that could be used when things break down in our buildings? I could go on and on with the opportunities in this church and the good thing is that if there are many people who come forward for each role, it would not be onerous, and you would be put on a rotor where you are only called upon occasionally. Don't be discouraged if you feel you do not have much to offer. My wife was discouraged after hearing amazing prophecies over people and then being told she had a casserole ministry. She got over her disappointment and has embraced what talent God has given her and she's used it to the best of her ability. The same could be true of you. Let us be people of faith who want to further God's kingdom. I believe there is so much talent in this church that if it was used, it would make a big difference in our neighborhood, island and in the world. So why not step out in faith today? Join one of the teams And I promise you, you won't regret it. And by serving others, you will be blessed. Amen. Please, please, please stand. Yeah, I just want to pray. Yeah, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are an amazing God. I thank you, Father, for your goodness. I thank you, Father, that you love each one of us. And I thank you, Father, that you have given each of us gifts. And I pray, Father, that 
we would use those gifts to the best of our ability, whatever those gifts we have been given, whether they're small or large, that, Father, that we would use them to further your kingdom. And I pray, Father, that you would bless each and every single person here. I pray, Father, that uh, uh, you would just use them in any way that you wish to use them. And, Father, that you would be by them each and every day. And I pray that we would draw closer to you and we would become a church that would make a difference in our community, we make a difference in our island, we make a difference in the world. And with all the skills in this church, I believe that is possible. So Father, will you open up our minds to see what we can do in your name? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name.